0: What is going on, Solo fam? My name is John Solo, and today we are closing out our Moana trilogy. For those who are new around here, we've done two episodes breaking down the Polynesian mythology that inspired the Moana movie story and characters. One comparing the mythical Maui to Disney's Maui, and another showing how the goddess of fire, Pele, and the goddess of night, Hina Nui Tepo, inspired the movie's antagonist, Te Ka. I know, that's a lot of names to keep straight. Now try pronouncing them. In this episode though, I wanna dissect the deities that the great island goddess Tafiti, the ocean spirit, and even Moana herself may have been inspired by. Those of you who like weird mythology that's filled with violence and incest are in for a real treat today. Those who don't, I don't even know why you're here, actually, because that's what we talk about on this show about 87% of the time. Now, longtime fans of my YouTube series will recognize that the audio you're about to hear comes from the original episode, but the track has been remastered and retrofitted with sound effects and music for a true audio experience. Thanks for tuning in to the Messed Up Origins podcast. We're posting remastered episodes every Monday and Wednesday and new episodes on Fridays. Don't forget to sacrifice the five-star button to the algorithm gods if you enjoy it and brace yourself for the messed up origins of Moana. Chapter One, Movie Recap. Now, for those who haven't seen Moana since the last time we did one of these episodes, let's do a quick review of the plot. According to the creation story that Moana's grandma tells, in the early days of the Earth, there was only ocean until the goddess Tefiti emerged. Her heart had the power to create life, and she shared it with the world, spawning humans and giving us land to build our homes on, earning her the epithet, Mother Island. One day, the trickster god Maui steals her heart, which causes her to lose all of her love for mankind. And soon, Everything she created for us becomes infected with a plague and rots away. But never fear, the ocean itself chooses a powerful young maiden named Moana to be the savior of her homeland. And with the help of Maui, the ocean spirit, and even her chicken Heihei, she restores the heart of Te and lives happily ever after. Chapter 2. The Origins of the Mother Island I think the best place to start this breakdown off would be with the origins of Tafiti, the Mother Island, as Grandma Tala calls her. In my estimation, there are two Polynesian goddesses that resemble her the most, Papa Hanaumoku, also known as Mother Island, and Haomiya, another earth deity who's also the goddess of fertility and childbirth. Depending on where you're asking, those two goddesses may be combined into one, but we're gonna talk about them individually. First, Papa Hanaumoku, or Papa, as she is thankfully called. She's basically been around since the very beginning, Worshipped all across Polynesia as a primordial force of creation with the power to create life and heal, she's the wife and consort of the sky god Wakia and they personify creative female power and creative male power respectively. Anyone else notice the similarity with Gaia and Uranus in the Greek creation myth? Interesting how so many of these creation stories start with the union of the earth and sky. Similar to how Tafiti created the islands in the movie, in Hawaiian mythology, Papa gave birth to the islands after being impregnated by Wakia and their children went on to be known as Hawaii, Maui, Oahu, and Kauai, giving birth to islands. That had to hurt, huh? Well, after that process was done and the islands were born, they decided to have another child and their daughter Huoho Kukulani was born. And get this, that's not even her full name. And it could be translated to she who sets the stars in heaven and adorns the celestial regions. Honestly, I think I'd rather say that every single time than even try to pronounce it the original way. Anyway, there is one particularly weird myth that their new daughter is known for, and it definitely gives off Greek mythology vibes on account of the incest. You see, as Huoho got older, her father, Wakia, became enchanted by her beauty. But because she was still young and because he was terrified of angering his wife, Papa, he had to come up with a plan to secretly seduce her. One day, he orders a priest to take Papa on a journey to another island, and while she was gone, he had intercourse with her daughter, which led to her getting pregnant. As you'd expect, when Papa returned home and found out about this, she was furious, but all of that anger was drained away after Huoho's son was stillborn. Papa took it upon herself to name the baby Haloa, which means eternal breath, and then buried it facing the rising sun in the east. And then from the spot he was buried, sprouted the taro plant, which was very important to Hawaiian diets back in the day. The story isn't over yet though. Later on, Waki and Huoho have another baby they also name Haloa. And in some regions, he's considered the first of the native Hawaiian people. So there you go, a bit more complicated than Tafiti just rising out of the ocean and waving her hands around, but similar enough that I think they definitely could have taken inspiration from it. And to take it a step further, I wanna touch on the concept of Aloha Aina, which is definitely mispronounced. It can be translated to love of the land and is a concept slash way of life that pervades many aspects of Hawaiian culture from the spiritual to the social and even scientific. The belief is founded upon a sense of being connected to all living things and many Hawaiians embrace it with the intention of improving the well-being of their homeland and its many children. The goddess Papa is a central figure to this movement as she's the one who is being abused by mankind and I can't help but see a connection between this and Maui's ignorance when stealing her heart. Sounds to me like it could have been the seed the movie's final plot sprouted from. And as great of a spot as that would be to wrap this section up, we can't forget the other goddess who may have influenced the Tafiti character, and that's Halmia, the goddess of fertility and childbirth. It should be mentioned that depending on who you're asking, she and Papa may be the same goddess, which makes sense because there's some overlap in their domains and they're both some of the most ancient deities that Hawaiians worship. But when she's not being conflated with Papa, Haomiya is said to be the wife of the god Kanaloa and mother of many important deities like Pele, Hiyaka, and Namaka, something I want you to remember for next section. According to myths, she carries a magical stick called the Makale, which attracts fish and helps produce food. It also gives her the ability to transform from a wrinkly old woman into a pretty young thing, which is useful for reproduction purposes. See, apparently every couple hundred years or so, ha will return to her homeland and marry one of her children or grandchildren to create the next generation of humans. Then she'll stick around for a few more generations, which ultimately leads to them discovering her identity and her storming off in anger. Then after some time passes, and when everyone who can identify the goddess is either dead or too old to remember, she'll come back as her younger self and the cycle repeats. As you can see, that myth is also a bit more complicated than what we're told in Moana. And there's actually one more story that explains the important role Hamia had in human reproduction. One day, the goddess overhears the daughter of a famous Hawaiian chief crying out in pain while in labor. And after checking in on her, she discovers the only way humans gave birth was by cutting open the stomach of the mother like a C-section. The goddess proceeded to make the chief's daughter a pain potion out of flowers from the Kanikawi tree. And after drinking it, she was able to push the baby out. And ever since then, that's primarily how humans have given birth. So that was the mythology behind the Polynesian goddesses who inspired Tafiti. But our work is not done yet. Chapter three, Namaka, goddess of the sea. If you watched my last Moana episode where I explained how Pele, the volcano goddess, was the inspiration for Teka, then you should remember me mentioning her sister Namaka, goddess of the ocean and considered to be her polar opposite. We talked about how Pele and Namaka never got along due to them embodying conflicting elements and how Pele slept with Namaka's husband. This led to the sea goddess hunting her sister down and beating her half to death multiple times. And as a consequence of lava and water combining during their battles, the Hawaiian islands grew in size. I am sad to say that's pretty much the only myth that Namaka is known for. And there isn't much if any mythology about her that I didn't already cover in the last episode, but while researching for this one, I found myself on a fascinating train of thought. See, originally when I started writing this video, I was under the impression that Namaka was the inspiration for Tafiti because the two were opposites of Pele and Te respectively. But as you can tell from the previous section, I no longer believe that to be true. Now I think that the ocean spirit who guides Moana to her destiny was Namaka. And if you're willing to hear me out, I want to make my case. That's right. We're getting back into the old cartoon conspiracy theories today. So for for starters, there's the obvious connection to the water. If Namaka, or a Disney-fied version of her, does exist in Moana's universe, then she's no doubt responsible for the ocean's behavior, which means she's the one who chose Moana to return to Fiti's heart. But then that leaves us with the question, why would she get involved? Well, judging from the movie's epic final battle, I get the vibe that, just like in the mythos, the volcano goddess doesn't really get along with the ocean goddess. I mean, because of their very nature, she can't even touch her without feeling extreme pain. On top of that, Appa, the goddess that inspired Tafiti is often combined with Haomiya, the mother of Namaka and Pele. So what if, in Moana's universe, Tafiti is the mother of the ocean spirit? And when the ocean saw that its mother was being taken over by this vengeful, destructive being, she was motivated to help. Now, some of you might point out that Tefiti's heart was initially lost in the ocean, and if it really wanted to help, it could have just returned it to her. If the ocean's so smart, why didn't it just take the heart back to Tefiti itself? The ocean, straight up kooky dooks. Do. Do. But remember, the ocean is fundamentally incompatible with her fiery alter ego. If she didn't have somebody else deliver the goods, Taika could have become so angered by Namaka's possession of her heart, who knows what her reaction would have been. She could have tossed it aside as a way of saying, I don't need your help, or been so infuriated that her rival had it that she took her vengeance out on the humans her heart was stolen for with an eruption that blocked out the sun. I think that Namaka knew the safest way to restore peace to her mother's soul would be if the original thief and his would-be benefactor, returned it themselves, and apologized. And since Moana was the most capable for the journey, she was chosen. Now to reiterate, this is just a theory I came up with while researching for this episode, but I'm just saying, if Disney needs any ideas for where to take the Moana series they're launching in a couple of years, I think this would be a great starting point for expanding the universe. I mean, come on, how cool would it be if we got to see even more Disney characters inspired by Polynesian deities? Even if there are a few deviations away from the source material, I think the majority of you viewers would be ecstatic to see even more beautifully animated characters from that culture. Speaking of, there is one more character I wanna talk about before we wrap this episode up, and that's Moana herself. What, you didn't think that we'd close out the Moana series without talking about the character it's named after, did ya? Chapter four, Moana the Mermaid. For the most part, Moana is a completely original character. No god or goddess has served as direct inspiration for her creation. That being said, there's another water goddess named Moana Nui Kalahua, who has her own interaction with Maui that I think may traumatize some of our younger viewers. I don't wanna hype it up too much, but if you thought it was mean for Maui to throw her off the boat or Moana to stick a blow dart in his butt cheek, you may be better off skipping this part. So Moana Nui Kalahua, or as I like to call her, Moana, was a Polynesian water goddess who appeared as a fish or mermaid, depending on the telling, and was responsible for guarding the Ka'i'i Channel between the Kauai and Oahu Islands. One day she catches Maui fishing in her waters, which she does not appreciate at all. And because like Maui, she's a bit of a troublemaker, she decides to play a prank on him by taking his magical fishing hook and sticking it into a submerged rock. Well, after Maui realized what happened, he was furious and not one to be out pranked, pursued Moana in revenge. After catching up to the goddess, he grabs her by the tail and pulls her onto the shore where she slowly but surely suffocates and dies. That's right, in the original myth, Maui kills Moana. And honestly, I think we should be allowed to deal with TikTok pranksters in the same way. The part I find funny about this though, is that despite murdering her in a way that had to be just miserable, he did still respect her along with the other gods. So he built the shrine in her honor and buried her. Moana's spirit was then transformed and from the spot she was buried, sprouted the Olialahua, Lahua, which is one of Hawaii's most sacred trees. You know, word on the street is there were nine different versions of the Moana script before it was finalized. And I can't help but wonder if any of them ended like this. I mean, obviously not, but the idea of having something so savage animated by the geniuses in Disney Studios sounds so awesome to me. I'm low key still holding out hope that they'll buy the Mortal Kombat franchise. I mean, Kano was in Wreck-It Ralph, so my dreams aren't dead yet. Thank you all for tuning in to the Messed Up Origins podcast. We're posting episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So don't forget to sacrifice the five-star and follow buttons to the algorithm gods to make sure they bless your feed with more mythological and folklore content. If you have any thoughts on this episode you'd like to share, like if you really enjoyed it or are dying to correct my pronunciation of something, hit me up under the Messed Up Origins handles on Twitter and Instagram. And to those who are craving more Messed Up Origins, feel free to check out other episodes episodes of the podcast, or look up my YouTube channel called John Solo to experience the original episodes complete with visual aids and custom-made artwork. Until next time, Solo fam, my name is John Solo, and don't forget, John shot first.